Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Go with me to Romans chapter 1, and uh, we'll take this as our first scripture. It's really not the, the keynote scripture, but I want to mention it first of all. Romans chapter 1 and verse number, well, we'll read 16 and 17, but I want to get down to the last part of the 17th verse. Romans 1, 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, and here's, here's the point that I wanted you to see. The righteous shall live by faith. The righteous, that means the, the just, the righteous. In other words, the people of God. The people of God, Jesus said, shall live by faith. Now this, this statement is actually a quote from the Old Testament. And we find this in the Old Testament, but it's repeated three times in the New Testament. The righteous, the just, the Christian, the, pers- the people of God shall live by faith. You've also heard me say this before, that in Habakkuk chapter 2, where this is quoted from, in, in the New King James, it says, the righteous shall live by his faith. And I like that because when you read the statement, the, the righteous shall live by faith, You know, that can be sort of a general comment. You know, that ordinarily or as a overall principle, the the Christian lives by faith. We just live by faith every day. We're just living by faith. Uh, You know, we sing, we used to sing the song, at least living by faith in Jesus alone. And and it can become a nonspecific type of, of, uh, of idea that we're just living by faith in general. But when Habakkuk said the righteous The just shall live by his faith. It brings it down to a more, to me, to a more personal uh, concept that that it's more determinative. It's something that is more intentional. The righteous actually lives on purpose by his faith. He uses his faith every day. And so notice this, it doesn't say the righteous used to live by faith. Because when most of us first heard about how faith really works and what can be accomplished by faith and how to believe God and how to get things from God, when we first found out about the principles of faith, most of us, our life was, was a wreck. Well, maybe not the younger ones, but us older people, you know, our lives were all messed up and we had so many different things to apply our faith to. I mean, we were believing God for, for bread to eat. We were believing God for our marriage. We were believing God for our, for our health. We were believing God for the sanity of our minds to get our thinking all straightened down. And we had our faith applied in a lot of areas. But over time, if you're not careful, as, as the blessing of God begins to manifest, and you begin to walk in more and more of God's fullness and God's blessing. If you're not careful, you can get out of the habit of consciously using your faith like you used to. But it doesn't say the righteous used to live by faith. It says the righteous shall live by his faith. That means that living by faith never goes out of style. It never goes out of, of, of it never uh, becomes unnecessary. We will always have to live by our faith. Amen. And if you're not living by faith, you're not receiving the fullness of what God has for you. Amen. Just because your finances have finally straightened out and you're not in the the poorhouse anymore, doesn't mean you don't need to still believe God for finances. Because there's a bigger need out there than your own. And faith is I, something somebody said in one of the last services. I don't know if it was who it was. If it was PG last Sunday morning or Sunday night. If Steve said something. But uh, something to the effect that. Uh, let me go back and, and catch that thought again. Uh, it just, just left me. I'll get It'll come back. It'll come back. Hallelujah. I'm thinking about something else. <laughs> But, uh, you know, you don't, you don't outgrow 
your demand for faith. And I think it was Pastor Greg, that's what it was when he was talking about uh, the offering last week. He, was, he or Amy or somebody was talking about how we, be, we believe God, that God supplies bread for the sower. Maybe it was Amy. He, he provides bread for the, for the uh, or, or seed for the sower and bread to eat. Well, we're, we believe so often for the bread to eat. That's where our faith is supplied, for God to supply our needs. But he said God supplies seed for the sower. If we would do more believing for the seed for the sower, we'd have less praying to do for bread to eat. But so often we don't believe God for seed to sow. You know, you can, see, you can sow more than you're sowing now. Yeah, that wasn't as excited as some of the other responses I got. You can be a greater blessing than you're being now. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. We ought to be reaching for that blessing. We need to re be reaching for the greater blessing that comes from giving more. Yeah. Amen. So I said all that to say, and that, so that was a, a revelation to me when they, whoever said it last week, it was Amy, I guess. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't, we need to believe God for the seed to sow. So that just goes back to, to the point I'm making is that faith is always necessary. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. The righteous, you as a child of, child of God, will live by your faith. And you can say it this way, your standard of life, your, meth, your, your, your quality of life will be dictated by the faith you live by. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. If you're not living by much faith, if you're not exercising a lot of faith, well, you're going to miss out on God's best. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Wasn't my original introduction, but I just thought I'd share it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Turn with me then. This is our, our first opening scripture, second opening scripture. John chapter 16. Verse 23. Jesus said, and in that day you will ask me nothing. Well, now the day he was talking about, he, would, he had been talking about the day of the church. He said, in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. This verse has, has always captivated my my imagination because it's so direct, it's so pure, it's so uh, un, uh, uh, unambiguous. It's just you can't misunderstand this scripture. Jesus said, assuredly, without any question, you can take it to the bank. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. It's just that simple according to this verse. Until now you've asked nothing in my name. And then to, to restate this, he just said how simple this is. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. That's a powerful statement. Like I said, you can't misunderstand it. It's so simple. So why, why are some few Christians getting answers to their prayer? Well, hello. <laughs> Most prayers go unanswered. Most in, in, in actuality, in actual experience, most prayers that people pray to God go unanswered. Something's wrong. Because Jesus said, if you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. But most prayers go unanswered, even among Christians. Now, most Christians won't admit to that. Most Christians would say, oh, yes, God always answers prayer. And, and most Christians can, can look back to uh, answers that they've received in direct response. They prayed for something, and God gave it to them. Most Christians can, can give illustration, can give testimony of that. But most Christians do a lot more asking. They've asked for a lot more things than they can give testimony to. And, uh, and, and very often don't get what they asked for. Now, the, now the way Christians uh, 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 
explain that is to say, well, you know, I asked for such and such thing, but that really wasn't what I needed. God knew I didn't need it. So he gave me something different. He gave me what he really, well, that's not what Jesus said. He didn't say, whatever you ask the father in my name, uh, he'll give you what's best. He said, he'll give you what you ask. Ask and you will get what's the best thing. No, he said, ask and you will receive what you ask for. And we have, you heard me say this, and some of you grew up in, in church and, and, and you are familiar with this little saying. Some of you weren't raised in church, but we were, in our church, we had this little saying that said, uh, you know, uh, God always answers prayer. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says wait a while. Well, well the yes is an answer to prayer. The no, he didn't answer your prayer. That's not an answer to your prayer. If I asked Steve to get, give me this, his, his Bible, I said, come up here and hand me your Bible. And uh, he said, no, I'm going to give you my, my, my bag over there uh, instead. Well, that, that's not an answer to my, my request. Or if he said, no. <laughs> Did he answer my request? No, he didn't give me what I wanted. If he said, eh, when I feel like it, tomorrow, you're not ready for it yet, Pastor. <laughs> So we have all these excuses for unanswered prayer, but we shouldn't have excuses and we shouldn't need excuses. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So really in, in, in talking about faith, that's the first thing I want to talk about is the, uh, uh, is this, is this subject of unanswered prayer, the enigma of unanswered prayer. Why does it happen? Well, most people think that the keys to pr- answered prayer, one of the keys is just praying a long time. If I just keep asking and asking and asking and asking and seeking and asking and asking, uh, I just haven't prayed long enough. I pray long enough. Other people believe that uh, one of the big keys to prayer is being really sincere. I've heard people say that, not just on one occasion, but on many occasions. I've seen it in, 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 in writing. I've seen it on social media. Well, if you really want it bad enough, if you just really are desperate and you want it bad enough and you've got enough tears and you really feel it, God will respond to you. That's not, it, it's not sincerity because people pray a long time in, in a lot of sincerity and they don't get what they're asking for. You, you don't find anywhere in the scripture where it says if you pray long enough, if you, if you pass a certain uh, uh, time marker, then God will respond to your prayer. Or if you're sincere enough, you don't see that. Another, another now, now sincerity is important. We, we don't need to just be asking God casually for things that aren't important. We, sincerity is important. Uh, praying... Uh, as far as the length of your prayer and how long you pray, the longer you pray, the further you get away from your answer most of the time. Because faith prays and believes it receives. Whenever, I, whenever I'm up front, you know, and I'm, and I'm ministering to people and I, maybe I call people up, this happens a few times, I'll say, you know, somebody else come up and pray for these people. And a few times I'll ask Maybe people standing behind people. Come up here and just lay your hands on and pray for them. Uh, if, you, if you'll listen, sometimes I'll say, make it short. Because what I've noticed is people will put their hands on and they'll pray and they'll pray. And, they'll, and what they're doing is you're just rephrasing. Figuring out some way of saying it. So if I, if I, if I say enough words and get it right, and you get further and further away from your answer by your much praying. So it's not how long you pray. It's not sincerity of your prayer, but those sincerity is important. Fervency. Oh, if I just really bear down in prayer, if I just really, just, just really give it, you know, if I just sweat a little bit in my praying. But you know, it's not, fervency is important. But we're talking about the prayer that changes things. When you're asking God for something that belongs to you, prayer should be short and sweet. It should be followed up by faith. Amen. 
Another thing that, that a lot of people believe that'll help them get their answer is they can get another, enough other people to pray. If I can just get more people to pray with me. And so, you know, we get, we have in the, in the Christian community, we have people that have a prayer list and they have a lot of people on their prayer list and they have a lot of people praying. And so if someone's got a really big need, then they'll, they'll farm it out to another church. You know, if we got, if we can get, if we can get, you know, several people praying, getting their prayer warriors, they call them, you know, praying about something that if we can gang up on God, you know, and, and, and get enough volume of praying and enough people, but that's not scripturally true either. Jesus said, if two or three agree, that's all you need. But if you, if you need some help in praying and sometimes it's good to get people to pray, two or three will do. Amen. Glory to God. And then uh, a lot of people believe that, that grace, the grace of God, uh, means that they don't have to meet any special conditions for prayer. But, and that's kind of what this verse suggests, that you really don't have to do anything. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. That's pretty simple. And you see, if we only had this verse, then we could approach prayer that way, but we don't just have this verse. I want to read something to you that Mark Twain wrote in The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. (laughs) Now, that's a first. (laughs) Hallelujah. From the words of, of Huckleberry himself. See if I can find it. I'm reading from, from this, is, this is Huckleberry talking. Then Miss Watson, she took me in the closet and prayed, but nothing came of it, nothing come of it. She told me to pray every day and whatever I asked for, I would get it. But it weren't so, W-A-R-N-T. <laughs> but it weren't so, I tried it. Once I got a fish line, but no hooks. It weren't any good without the hooks. I tried for the hooks three or four times, but somehow I couldn't make it work. By and by, one day I asked Miss Watson to try for me, but she said I was a fool. She never told me why, and I couldn't make it out no way. I sat down one time back in the woods and had a long think about it. I says to myself, if a body can get anything they pray for, why can't Deacon Wynn get back the money he lost on pork? Why can't the widow get back her silver snuff uh, box that was stole? Why can't Miss Watson fat up? No, I says to myself, there ain't nothing to it. You know, a lot of people, if they're honest, that's really what they believe. But we have a lot of talk about prayer, but not a lot of people are praying as much as they say they are. Have you ever noticed that people say on, 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 uh, on media, I'm praying for you. Well, 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 how much are you praying for me? I see sometimes, you know, on the news, you know, somebody's got a little, uh, you know, little studio set up in the news channel and they're talking about somebody's and they're saying, well, you know, we're praying for you. And I think to myself, really? Are you really praying for them? How much prayer is really even happening? The reason people don't pray a lot is because they don't see a lot of results in prayer. Amen. But prayer, results come when prayer is prayed the right way. Amen. So let's not be Huckleberries. Let's not give up on prayer. Let's, let's make an art of prayer. Let's make prayer something that we do and we expect to receive an answer and we get our answers. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Well, let's develop this thought a little bit that Jesus said here. Whatever you ask for, you'll get. Well, praise God. Uh, Answered prayer, though, requires certain conditions to be met. Now, what I started to say a minute ago is most Christians believe that grace means they don't have to meet any conditions. Because when we came to the Lord Jesus, we we didn't do anything to get saved. We didn't bring him anything. We didn't offer anything. We just believed and we just believed on the Lord Jesus and our life was transformed. We just got saved. For by, but remember it says in, in Ephesians, by grace you were saved through faith. 
So faith is a condition. Even, even though grace is unmerited favor, you don't merit anything. You don't do anything. You still have to bring your faith. Amen. So let's go to, um, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Hallelujah. Matthew 6. What are the conditions? First of all, you have to ask. In Matthew 6, 8, it says, Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the thing you have need of before you ask Him. Notice this, that God knows what you need. Now, now some people say, yeah, He knows what I need, but so He's not answering everything I ask for. That's not an excuse. We shouldn't be asking for things we don't need. Amen. We shouldn't be asking for things that are not according to His Word getting ahead of myself a little bit. Jesus said, your father knows the things you need before you ask him. That, that, that tells us that even though he knows, he still expects us to ask. God wants us to come to him with our needs. He wants that. Because he's a loving father. He, he is the all benevolent one. He wants to bestow his blessing. He wants to, you to come to him. He doesn't want to just give you things without you ever having any consciousness that he moved in your life. Amen. God gets honor when, when we ask and we're thankful for what we receive. So the first thing, of course, is to ask. And uh, like I said, in John chapter 16, where it looks like, where, where we read, it looks like there are no strings attached. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give you. No strings attached. But there are more things that Jesus said about prayer than John chapter uh, 16 and, and Matthew chapter 6. Go to John 15. John chapter 15. Now we read in the 16th chapter, and it seems so simple, but look at chapter 15. Verse 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Notice there are two conditions here. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Well, on the one hand, if you're, if you're a Christian, you're abiding in Christ. Amen. But we're also supposed to walk in fellowship with Christ. Part of abiding in Christ is abiding in fellowship. Not walking in darkness, but walking in the light. Abiding in him is being submissive to him. Amen. If we abide in him, he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you will. Now, why is it so important that his word abides in you? Well, it's because uh, when his word abides in you, you'll ask for the right things. Amen. You'll ask for things that are according to his word. Uh, many people have the idea that, that prayer involves just praying anything you can think of, whatever comes to your mind that you would like, just sort of throw it out there and, and God will just pick the ones that are right and give you those things and the other things, uh, you know, you don't worry about because you weren't supposed to have those anyway. That doesn't develop a strong faith in God. That, that again leaves prayer on an iffy basis, a hit or miss, but, Prayer is not supposed to be, never supposed to be on a hit and miss basis. We're supposed to have confidence that when we pray, we get what we receive and, we're, and we should see results from it. And we do receive results and see results from it when we ask according to the word and believe him right. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God's word abiding in you is the key to knowing the will of God. We won't look at it, but we also know in 1 John chapter 5, it says if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Well, that's, that's adding a whole, lot of more, a whole lot more flavor to what Jesus said in, in John 16. But you see, all of the Bible is true. You have to put it all together to get the whole picture. So yes, anything you ask according to his will when his word abides in you. When God's word abides in you, again, you know what to ask for. The truth of the matter is we should never ask for anything that we're not certain 
the will of, it's the will of God for us. Now, sometimes we ask in, in, in a prayer of discovery, Lord, show me what your will is, because there are some things the Bible doesn't specifically say in black and white, in particular, in, 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 uh, specifically, that this is what is God's will for you. You won't find that. You won't find anything about uh, where you work in, in the Bible. You won't find anything in specifically about the details, the minute details of your life. You won't find that in the Bible. So, so you do have to go to the Lord, and then the Spirit of God will show you what his will is. But once you know the will of God, then you can ask for that thing. Again, we should never be praying for things that we are not sure is the will of God to give us. Amen. That would eliminate a lot of praying right there. Because a lot of Christians don't know much about the will of God. And, and a lot of people don't believe they can know the will of God. Well, you never know what God's going to do. That's not a true statement. You absolutely can know. We absolutely can know what God's going to do. He's going to do what he said in here he would do. He will perform it. There is, when I said earlier that there are a lot of things that we don't know the will of God on, but I'm telling you, there are way more things that we do know the will of God on. I know it's the will of God for my, for my foot to be well. I know that. I know it's the will of God for that bone to, to grow back. I know that. I, I don't have to question it. Well, some people pray, and this is another thing that people do that, that causes them to miss, miss the mark. They pray, Lord, if it be your will. God, I just ask you to do this if it be your will. Well, if you don't know his will, you're in doubt. You're right out of the boat. You're in doubt when you say, Lord, if it be your will, because we're supposed to know what his will is. Somebody said, well, didn't Jesus pray? Lord, if it be your will, take this, this, uh, uh, this from me, you know, talking about the cross. Well, yeah, that was a prayer of consecration. Jesus already knew he was going to the cross when he prayed that. What he said, if you, if you read the whole thing, he said, Father, if it's possible, take this from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, what you will. He really wasn't praying if it be. He knew the will of God. He was expressing his heart, the fact that I really don't want to suffer this. this if there's any other way, but I've already surrendered my will to your will. And really, that should be the way we live. Our will is surrendered to his will. Amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. In uh, Matthew chapter 21, turn over there. Matthew 21, it says, it says it this way. In verse 22, whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Well, now that, that adds a whole lot more to what he said in John 16. John 16, he just said, whatever you ask, he'll give it to you. But here it said, whatever you ask in prayer, believing. So that again tells us that faith is necessary. And then we see this in James chapter 5. Turn over there to James chapter, excuse me, James chapter 1, verse 5. James 1, verse number 5. If any of you lack wisdom, lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. Now, he's, not he's talking about wisdom, but this applies to more things than just wisdom. If any of you lack lacks wisdom or anything else, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Do not let that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Notice, he said, let him ask in faith with no doubting. No doubting. Now, when Jesus talked about doubting, he talked about doubting in the heart. So you have to understand that he's not talking about doubting in your mind. Many times when we come to the Lord in prayer, I'm not the only one, but many times in prayer we go to the Lord, there are doubts in our mind. The enemy is speaking words of doubt, uh, accusations, 
threats. It's not going to happen. You're not going to receive. It's not, you know, it's just never going to, uh, it's never going to unfold this way. Those are thoughts of doubt, but you don't have to take them in your heart. In Mark chapter 11, you remember that in Mark chapter 11, 22, Jesus said, have faith in God for whoever will say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe in his heart. So doubt in your mind and doubt in your heart are two different things. I've had some of the greatest victories in my life come when doubt was raging in my mind like a, you know, like a hurricane, just, just howling thoughts of doubt. And I would just sit back and say, you know what, devil, I know. I, he, he would say to my mind, you know, that's never coming true. You're, you don't have that. You're not going to have that. That can't happen. You're just, that's impossible. I love it when the devil says that's impossible. Because I, it reminds me that the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. And many, time, many of the times I've sat back and said, I've laughed and said, devil, you're absolutely right. I know it's impossible. That's absolutely impossible. What I'm asking for is impossible. I know it. You're right. But it's mine. Glory to God. Doubt in your head has to be answered with faith in your heart. Because if there's doubt in your heart, what does that mean? You're you're double-minded. He said a man who doubts in his heart is a double-minded man. That means you believe it on one hand, another hand you don't believe it. One minute minute you've got it and the next minute you're, you're worrying that you don't have it. You give in to those things, but you don't have to give in to them. You can just stand resolute and say, yep, I believe I've received the answer to my prayer and uh, the doubts that come to me, you know, they can become comical after a while because you think, you know, the you, devil, you are really, you're really trying really hard to make this, to, to convince me, this must be a great victory for me that you would work so hard. I, I just, I, I sometimes, I, I won't say I enjoy it, but I, I, I make myself enjoy it. Amen. That the enemy would try to put doubt in my mind. He's not talking about doubt in your mind. He said doubt in your heart. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. Now, there's only one way to get the doubt out of your heart, though. And that's to feed on the word of God. Faith, we know this. The Bible says that faith, Romans chapter 10, faith comes by hearing God's word. There's only one way to be strong in faith, church. And that's by hearing the word of God. I'm going to say that again. There's only one way to have faith. There's only one way to have great faith. There's only one way to have strong faith. And that the first thing, it comes by hearing the word of God. Now, I said this last week, or when's the last time I was up here? Three weeks ago. Uh, I think it was right back, right when we got back from, from Africa. In my message, I talked about when I first got back into fellowship with the Lord. And I talked about how I got into the Bible. And I was raised in a church where we were taught that it was important to know, I'm going to put quotations, to know your Bible. We were encouraged to read the Bible, at least the way I understood it, the impression that I got, we were supposed to read our Bible so that we would learn it. And we had people in our church who were known as people who really, quote, knew their Bible. Brother Jones, he, I heard it talked about several, you know, Brother Jones, he really knows his Bible. Do you ever have anybody talk like that about somebody? Oh, sister so-and-so, she really knows her Bible. And so it sounded like we needed to Read the Bible until we knew all of the uh, history of the patriarchs and all of the, uh, uh, of the uh, things that happened in the Exodus and how the children of Israel were led out and, and about their wanderings in the wilderness and how jo- Joshua brought them out and about all the judges of Israel and and he'd be, you know, be thoroughly acquainted with each one of the judges and what their, you know, what their uh, particular exploits were. And then, you know, about the kings and how, how uh, we started with Saul and ended up with David. And David was really the chosen one. And then about all the descendants of David, his sons, about all the different prophets that came along. And that was somebody that really knew their Bible. 
And they get over in the New Testament. They could quote from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they knew all that. That was knowing your Bible. I thought that's why you were supposed to read the Bible. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Well, we know that these words proceed from the mouth of God. These words came from God. These words were inspired. So Jesus is saying, because you remember he was being tempted at the time. And uh, he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And afterwards, he was hungry. And at the end of that long fast, the devil came to him and said, if you're the son of God, make these stones into bread. Well, you know, he was hungry. That was a temptation. He was 40 days is a long time to go without food. Anybody here ever gone 40 days without food? Afterwards, you're hungry. And there, that was a great temptation. Jesus said, it's not nat- what he was saying was natural food is, what not, is not what sustains men. It's the word of God that sustains. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. I didn't know that you were supposed to read the word and feed on it. So I went to church as a youngster. I memorized my memory verses. And I listened to the sermons. And I figured if there was anything else I needed to know, the preacher would tell me. Sunday school teacher would tell me, the pastor would tell me, somebody would tell me that after all, that's their job. And as long as I know my memory scriptures, you know, I'll I'll get by. But when I got back into fellowship with the Lord without anybody telling me, I, I, I was so hungry for God that when Jesus revealed himself to me, I mean, there, and, and, I, and I, I copied a quote here I want to read to you, but because it was true in my life. I was so captivated by the words of Jesus. I couldn't put them down. I remember when, when my wife, in our early years, she went to x-ray school. I'm looking at Michelle over here. She's a nurse, and there are other nurses in the, in the congregation. And when you went to nursing school, you went to x-ray school, there was a lot of training and a lot of reading and a lot of books and a lot of things you had to learn. But I'm just guessing that, that, that Michelle and the other, I'm, I'm guessing you nurses don't pick up your nursing books every night and just read them. I remember my wife, when she was in x-ray school, she read those books. She had to learn anatomy. She had to learn all of these techniques and things. But I never saw her pick those x-ray books up again in my life. Because she knew, she knew her x-ray. You nurses, you know you're nursing. And you practice it every day. And so, I, like I said, I kind of thought that's what you're supposed to do with the Bible. Read it until you got it, and then you know it. But without anybody telling me, when I, when, I, when I came back into fellowship with Jesus, I was so captivated by his words and the, and the rest of the words of the New Testament. I found that they fed me. They, were, they nurtured me. And, and I read things that I had read before, but there was new life, new understanding. We're supposed to feed on the word of God like that every And it's not a, it's not a rule. It's not a, it's not a, 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 you know, a law that you have to read your Bible every day. God's not mad if, if, at it you if you don't, and your friends aren't surprised because they're not either. <laughs> but the life is in the reading. The life is in the feeding on the Word because that's how faith comes. It comes by feeding every, it's, it's not just every day. It could be many times a day. It's feeding on a consistent basis. And, and, and I remember something. I've seen this on social media, and I didn't really know if it was a true quote, so I looked it up, and it is a true quote. Uh, how many of you have heard of, of uh, well, where did he go? That's not it. It was just open. Glory to God. <laughs> uh, here it is. It's at the bottom of a different note. <laughs> How many of you read about Albert Einstein, what he said about the words of Jesus? Have you ever read that? It's absolutely, this is a, tr- this is a true quote. 
The Saturday Evening Post in October of 1929 published an interview that a man had with Albert Einstein. Now, this is not in print that Albert, he didn't write these words, but this is what the interviewer said that he told him, and it was, it was recorded in the uh, Saturday Evening Post. Einstein said, as a child, I received instruction both in the Bible and, the, and in the Talmud. I am a Jew, but I am enthralled by the luminous figure of the Nazarene. Jesus is too colossal for the pen of phase mongers, however artful. No man can, dis, can dispose of Christianity with a bon mot. That means a witty remark. No one can read the Gospels without feeling the actual presence of Jesus. His personality pulsates in every word. No myth is filled with such life. That was, that was what I experienced just as, a, as, as somebody just get back into fellowship, getting back into fellowship with the Lord at 20 years old. I, 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 was, I went to the Bible, like I said not long ago, I went to the Bible looking to prove God to be a liar. That the Bible wasn't true. And, and the person of Jesus and the words. I, I read later that when, when people came to Jesus to try to trick him up and to take him in his words. They came back and said, no man ever spoke like this man. And I found that it was true. And you know what? I still find it's true. I was reading yesterday and the day before yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. Because here recently I've been going through the Gospels again. And, and, and no man ever spake like this man. It, it feeds me. And faith comes up in my heart. Hallelujah. Faith, faith came up in, into my spirit when I first started reading. Now, I, I didn't know as much as I know now. But the first thing that... that uh, arose in my heart where faith was concerned was, was I understood that I needed to be around Christians. Now that was an act of faith for me because I didn't want to be around Christians. I had, I had spent the last few years trying to get away from Christians. And I, and I got direction. I just suddenly had a knowing. I, and it wasn't because of how I'd been raised. I'm, I'm, maybe that had an influence, but I had divorced myself from all of that. And, I, and the church that I had left, I said I'd never go back to. And the Lord directed me to go back to that very church where I felt like I'd suffered these injustices. Well, that was an act of faith. That required faith to do that. I, I, the very first time I went in, I, I thought, well, you know, I haven't been here in many years. And phew, the last time I was here, it wasn't very pleasant. And these same people are here. What are they going to say? What are they going to think? But you know what? Faith. Faith came up in my heart. Reading the Bible, I knew I was supposed to be in church. I don't understand how people can read the Bible today and believe that they can just live on their own outside of a local church. It's never God's plan. Faith led me back to church. Faith led me back to giving. And I tell you what, I I wrestled with that because uh, I was tight and I didn't want to give anything. And, uh, and I tried, I went to my pastor and I said, now, I don't, I don't understand this tithing thing. That looks like the Old Testament to me. It looks like the law. And he didn't give any explanation. He didn't give any, he said, no, it's not. He said, it's under the New Testament. It's New Testament. I, in my mind, I said, says who? But you know, as I got into the word and fed on the word and fed, I wasn't looking to become a tither. It happened to me. As I was feeding on the word, I began to understand how I could get my prayers answered, but it came by feeding on the word of God. Let me encourage you coming to church and having the preacher preach, having going to a class, having someone teach the Bible to you. That's all wonderful. That has its place, but there's nothing that can take the place of feeding on the word of God for yourself. If you want to be strong in faith, I'll say it like this. The word of God really has to be first in your life. It has to be first. I, I was testifying to one of my grandsons over the weekend. And I and, uh, was talking about how the legacy of faith. And I'm talking about faith now. I'm talking about the Christian faith and what we believe. The legacy of, fa- is, of faith is passed down from generation to generation. I talked about how. My grandparents and parents and 
and, and laid the foundation of faith for me and I laid the foundation for, for my children, his parents and, 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 and his generation and the generations to come. Uh, the, reason, the reason people fall away, generations rise up and they're strong in faith and the next generation is not as strong in faith and aren't as committed to God and the third generation you really lose a lot of people the reason for that is the hunger for the word of God is not passed down because without the hunger for the word of God things of this life will grow larger and larger and more important in your life and uh, and I remember as just young men in the church all we could I mean we, we, we talked about natural things you know, we, we, we played sports and we talked about things, you know, natural things. But our number one conversation was always around the Word of God, about what God was doing, what God was saying, and what had been preached that Sunday, and what we're getting from books we were reading. We should never lose that church. When the things of this world become consume most of our time, most of our conversation. There's nothing wrong with going to good movies, not, you know, ungodly movies. Nothing wrong with going to, you know, having good entertainment. There's nothing wrong with watching a good football game. We all watched a good football game this Saturday. It was exciting for everybody because it was, it was great. Two great teams equally matched playing one another. I mean, that's that. I, I enjoy that. Uh, I enjoyed more than one game over the last few days. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with that. But, but our, our main interest should be the things of God. And that comes from feeding on the word. Now, if you're sitting back there and you're thinking, you know, I just don't really love the word that much. I know I should, but it's your pastor, it's just not there. I don't have a hunger like that. It, it seems, maybe you wouldn't admit this to anybody, but it just seems like it's boring. When I open it, there's just nothing there. Press through that. Press through that with a hunger. Have developed, just create a hunger in your heart. Lord, I want you to, to reveal your word to me. And push through that and begin to pray and begin to read, even though you don't feel like you get anything out of it. If you do that, it won't be very long. You'll, the, this luminous character of Jesus will grab your heart. I guarantee you, the word of God will come alive to you. That's when faith comes. That's when you're able to get prayers answered is whenever you're acting on something you found in the word for yourself. It's just not something somebody told you. It's not somebody else's testimony. It's something that you see from the word of God that belongs to you. You know it because God has shown it to you. That's when you get your prayers answered. When you come to God on that basis, you come to him, Lord, I know this is your will for me. I know it's your, not only your will, it's your good pleasure, Jesus said. It's your good pleasure to give me these things. Oh, what a difference it makes. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, bear with me a little bit. You know, as this is a little different experience for me. It's awkward and, uh, you know, sets me off balance a little bit. But praise God, God's working. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Faith doesn't come any other way but by feeding on the word of God. Hearing it and hearing it and hearing it means feeding on it, feeding on it, and feeding on it. If you're not, if you're not really, if you're sitting here today and you're not really a committed Christian, generally you believe you're, you're not, a, you're not a, you know, an atheist. <laughs> you're not a Hindu, you're a Christian. You know, if, you, if that's kind of your basics of Christianity. Or you generally believe in Jesus, but you don't really give him much thought. It's not really real in your life. If, you, if the things of God aren't interesting to you, take a look at your life and ask yourself, how interesting is that? How rewarding is that? How rewarding is your per- current existence? Are you satisfied? Are you thrilled? Do you have purpose? If your answer is is not really, this is the solution right here. Right here's the solution. Get into it. Just start in the book of Matthew. Open your Bible like I did. And just start reading with an open heart. I'm telling you, the God of this Bible will come out of this Bible and get a hold of you. If you'll do it. Amen.
Faith comes by hearing, and that's the key to answer prayer. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's all stand up. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. If you have come into this church building today and you are not really serious, you came in, you're not, you weren't really serious about Jesus, you can get serious right now. You can make him absolute Lord of your life by a decision. It doesn't have to be emotional. You don't have to really feel a flush of, of love for God or uh, a real strong sense of, of uh, loneliness or, or despair. You can, you can make a decision just based on what you want done with your life. Do you want all that God has for you? The key is surrender to Jesus. That's the key. And you can just come on that basis. And God will, I'm telling you from experience, God will take you on. When you come to God with and just give him a door, just, a, a, just crack open a door and just say, God, I, this is all I know to do. I don't have a lot of answers and I've got a lot of questions, but I, I, I'll just crack open the door to this much. If you do that, God will come through that door. He'll absolutely show up in your life. He'll reveal himself. And that door will get wider and wider. I don't want to scare you, but the door will get wider and wider and wider. And the blessings of God will come rushing into your life like you've never known before. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.